Welcome, welcome, welcome back to That One Blank Friend podcast. I am Sadia Rashid. I'm your host. And you know what? I just realized today that we are, gosh, a little over a week away from Thanksgiving. Man, how is it possible that this year has not only felt excessively long, but also excessively short at the same time. It's I just feel like we're all in this weird time warp where time is speeding up and slowing down and speeding up. I don't know. It's just it's craziness. <sighs> I mean, Thanksgiving is a little over a week away and I'll be here at my house with no family except my husband and my daughter celebrating it because that's what we should all be doing staying inside as much as possible and if you go outside you wear a mask um so yeah you know the holidays it's making me think about that it's definitely going to look a lot different this year and um much different than a lot of us are used to it looking like you know because we are spending it normally with family and commiserating in large groups and catching up and unfortunately we can't do that this time around because well you guys know because of coronavirus so I I've been trying to give thought to how are we going to celebrate this year one idea Brett came up with was not have a turkey which I'm kind of okay with because it's hard to want that when you have to cook this big turkey and then no one's coming. So uh, we might switch it up and do like a, a surf and turf thing. We're still we're still thinking about it. Maybe barbecue. I don't know. We, we're going to switch it up. We'll do something different. Um, definitely FaceTiming and talking to family online is a part of the plan. But um, I, I think we all are going to have to really, I guess, re-strategize how, what the holidays this year is going to look like to us and what is going to, um, how can we still have some semblance of, you know, intimacy and family and community, um, but also do it and be safe. So that's going to be the challenge. We'll see what happens. Uh, if you guys have any ideas, please tweet me, uh, Instagram me, let me know. I'm I'm all open to ideas right now. So yeah, I am so excited for. I'm always excited for a guest, but I'm I'm excited for this guest because I always wonder a lot what happens to the people that I went to high school with. I went to a small high school, and. Of course, there are people that I, you know, you see them on social media, you kind of have an idea of their life, but you don't really know what's going on unless you've just been keeping in touch with them, like for real, for real. Um, so I have, I'd say like two friends that I, I more or less know what's going on. But most of the people I went to high school with, I have no idea. Um, so I'm excited today to talk to one of my previous classmates. She is an artist. She is an activist. Um, her name is Danielle Ellis. And, uh, you know, we do a deep dive in, in artistry and activism with a platform uh, she has launched to support bringing clean water to Sand Branch, Texas, which is a town that does not have clean running water. So um, I am really, really excited to introduce you guys to Danielle. So here she is. All right, so I am recording. Uh, so I have Danielle Ellis with me today. Hi, Danielle. Hi. <laughs> okay, I've told her this on Facebook. I think your voice is like butter I think it is <laughs> when I hear you speak like the times that you have put stuff on your Instagram or on your Facebook just the depth of your voice it just literally stops me in my tracks so when you said that you were gonna start doing a podcast I was really excited because I was like I could just listen to her like talk about whatever and your first episode I did listen to you talk about whatever because you were just, <laughs> you, you were talking and I was like I'm here for everything that she has to say <laughs> so um just a quick um a, a quick um 
rundown of how I know Danielle. We went to high school together. We went to high school in Dallas at the Booker T. Washington High School for the Performing and Visual Arts. <laughs> also known as Arts Magnet. I have to do the long one first. <laughs> She's laughing at me. And I was in the dance department. I know she was in the visual arts department. Honestly, our paths never really crossed that much. I no. My memory of you in high school is like seeing this cute petite black girl that wore glasses and I feel like when I attach that image to you that you had a very heavy backpack always am I wrong yes I had a backpack <laughs> often <laughs> your backpack was almost bigger than you <laughs> like I just remember I have images in my mind of seeing you in the hallway and like her, her backpack is like if not bigger than her like the same size um <laughs> You know, it's so funny when you are, go to high school with people, it's almost like they're frozen in time. And then when you see them outside of that and you see the growth, then you're like, oh, because you lose, you know, a lot of people you lose track with. You want to find out what happened to them between that time and the now. So I thought before we go into anything else that I want to know, okay, so you graduated from high school and then what happened in your life? Thank you for the compliments. That's very <laughs> nice. You have a great voice yourself. Thank you. Um, right after high school, I moved to Chicago to go to the school of the, I almost said school of the performing visual arts, like Booker <laughs> T. But I went to the Art Institute of Chicago. So uh, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And I was in Chicago for 10 years. I did not graduate, you know, due to economics, but I stayed because I liked Chicago. During that time, I was very much in the middle of discovering myself and, um, and in some ways suppressing myself, trying to fit. So it was like this really bold start, then stop, bold start and stop. And I'm here now just totally in my 40s, enjoying myself. <laughs> That's a lot to cover, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you you mentioned that you dropped out of, of art college, which and you were mm -hmm. in Chicago. Mm -hmm. At the time, did you feel like you were going to go back? I felt like um, I would. You know, I thought that you know, you know, at the very beginning of um, you, they're telling you that um, you're out of money. That oh, I'll figure it out. I'll get money somehow. And that just did not occur. I had to get by. I had to make a living and everything to, you know, keep going. And that's all I did. And at this point, I was really trying. And I experienced much burnout trying. You know, it felt like um, a wall, a wall, a wall, and no one was trying to help me. And the the casualness, I will never forget this, was the quote-unquote counselor was like, just ask your parents for it. Oh. I don't know what they're used to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we know that what they're used to, they're used to children that are quote-unquote kind of pretending that they're doing it on their own mm -hmm. when maybe they're not and that they have those resources that they can fall back on. They're not sounds like they weren't used to people who actually don't have those resources. Right. And it's not like my family is um, in poverty. Right. It's, we were, we were um, working class, middle class. You just can't pop that amount of money, you know, just because. Right. And, you know, um, they're, and I guess that's what they're used to, but I didn't have that. And so it was very daunting, frustrating, and discouraging. And um, I thought I will probably go back to school, but years went by, when years went by, and it did not occur. Do you ever still think about going back? Or do you feel like that your art is beyond that step at this point? I wouldn't go to school for art, for my art. You know what I mean? At this age and knowing what uh, financial debt you get into, I have to go to school for a reason. Um, it, I already do art. I don't have to go to school to do art. You know, when you look at it, not only did we have 
a great education in high school, which I will um, dare say surpass my education I received at the college. Oh no, um, I, I would agree also with our with our school. We went to, I think we I mentioned we went to a performing arts high school, but yeah, no, yes. we had such incredible resources at that school. Right, and so and that was free, and um and whatever um I I do not see where going back to college would help me in art. Maybe it's my limited thinking, but I need going in debt to work for me somehow. You know what I mean? With the student loans and everything, it does not make sense at this moment. No, it, it's funny you bring that up because I always wonder how, especially now, people view school, especially as you get older. And it's interesting because I was having a conversation with a friend just the other day and she was thinking about going back to school for uh, social work. And she was in this place where she felt like she had kind of awakened and she wanted to really get involved in like helping people and being, you know, more active in uh, social injustice issues. And her boyfriend was convincing her not to do it. And I listened to her talk for a second and I said, I said, I think this is a good time for you to ask people who actually have already gone and gotten their degrees and like ask them how they feel about that journey. Because if their journey is what you feel that you were on, then maybe it is worth it. But if they went through that and they came out on the other end and they're doing what you want to be doing and they say to you, yeah, I don't think those student loans are worth it, then you know, there's your answer, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the reason why I ask that is because I feel like there's a lot of worth put into college. And, you know, I think for some disciplines, it is absolutely important. But like, I loved what you said about that, you know, you don't need to go to college to do your art. And I feel like certain disciplines, you know, art, and dance, and music, and acting, and those sort of creative disciplines, they've been folded into this really traditional landscape. And mm -hmm. I think there are good resources in there, but I think there's something to be said about following your own path and just finding yourself in a different avenue. Even though I do not regret um, my experience so much in art, I, I felt it in the first year. If I was to go back in time, I would not have gone to college at all. I would not. Um, I probably yeah. would have maybe if I decide to go college, it would probably get a, a teaching degree or something that where, but at the same time, as we are learning, as we are older, there are so many avenues of how to do the social work, as you mentioned, teach, as you mentioned, you know how school to prison <laughs> is lined up. We're taught that same thing. You go to school and then you go to school some more. You have to go to college. Oh, and then they said um, the bachelor's degree was not good enough. Right. So you have to get the graduate degree. And then they said that's not good enough. And then you have to get the doctorate. And so these people, there's multiple people in debt. And I wonder how it benefited everybody in that. Because not everybody's on top. Some of us are multiple degreed driving Ubers. So it's like, I question um, how we were guided into this ideal that fed into an industry that at the end did not serve us at all. Well, girl, I got so much to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I think it, it's, it's, it, it goes back to like this idea of the industrial complex mentality of like you go to school and you learn these things and you get your A and that means you are good and worthy. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like college was this elitist thing of this greater education. And then anybody who is of color or was middle class in, you know, lower class, we were sold this bill of goods that like, this was going to change your life. Like this was the thing you had to do to change your life, to change mm -hmm. the trajectory of generations of your family, because that unlocks the key to everything. 
And I think that there was a moment in time where it did do that. Mm -hmm. There was a moment in time where that happened. And what tended to happen after that moment is that throughout our families, throughout culture, it just kind of evolved where that was just what you did. Mm -hmm. You need to do this to do that. And instead of being questioned, it became just like the status quo thing. So you know, all these people are going into debt and then we don't even really question why we're doing it or if it even makes sense. Right. And then exactly that. And then you come out on, of the other end and you're like, oh, I didn't need that. And no disrespect to my parents. I, I understand where they came from because they were also, as people of color, sold that bill of goods where it was like, your children now have the opportunity to go to college and that is what you do for them. And, you know, I see my sister's path, who is a person who has two masters and it's working great for her, but her trajectory mm -hmm. is in the corporate world. And that is where as a black woman, it is necessary, you know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, to no matter how intelligent you are, no matter how hardworking you are, those tools are a little bit more necessary. Me going to college as a dancer was not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without those student loans. But, I, you know, I, I think my parents saw it as this is an opportunity for greater education, for greater exposure. And if I was going to school for nursing or being a doctor, you know, or a scientist, yeah. But I, I agree with you. Like, if I had to do it all over again, I would have gone to New York and just, like, let it fly and just been like, let's just see what happens. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you in that sense that I think we have to really do a lot more thought about what college means to the individual. And it's not, it's not uh, the answer for everything, for every career, for every lifestyle. And for listeners, we are being very clear that we don't want lawyers and doctors and nurses to go to I learned it my damn self. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Go to school. Go to school. <laughs> yes, go to I school. My damn self. No, <laughs> go to school, please. I I prefer that. But when it comes to the arts, and also we are finding still that people devalue the arts and do not understand. And then they're confused, like, why isn't there another season of so and so? Mm -hmm. Well, what I mean, especially. Yeah, right now, you know, mm -hmm. like people, I was, I was hearing, I think they did a poll in the New York Times. They were asking what careers are unnecessary right now in this climate. And I think the highest percentage went to people in the arts. And it was like, really? In New York? <laughs> it's so interesting how people don't see the the tie-ins of like the expansion of how art reaches all these different corners and places that in a in a place like New York where it's so a part of the culture and the vibe of New York that people would have the audacity to say that it doesn't even matter. It rubs me all the way fucking wrong how people devalue the art and artists because the very seat that they're sitting in was designed by a creative. Mm -hmm. um, your clothing, you know, designing how your smartphone looks, your apps that you enjoy, your, you know, someone came up with gifts, all this stuff, just all the style. And, and the thing is, it was the arts that made New York what it is. You know, yes, there was everybody else, but people don't go to New York and no diss on construction workers to watch a construction worker pour cement. They don't do that. They go to New York for the creativity and to instantly turn your head and say, you ain't shit. When we made you, we entertain you, we clothe you, we um, design your furniture, all this stuff. We, in every aspect, we're the invisible thing in every aspect of your life. And you say, art ain't shit. Yeah. Because you think it's optional. It's not optional. 
art defines a civilization. You know a civilization by their art. You can look at Greece, you can look at Rome, you can look at Egypt, art defines it all. And to say it's not of worth, it's nothing, it's not of value, you own some bullshit because you need to really educate yourself of what arts is because apparently y'all fucking lost y'all shit when y'all lost the little things that you depended on. Like um, you don't, you, you're sitting there on a cliffhanger and, and mad and you don't know why you mad. Maybe you should put more value in the arts. Maybe you should care about what happened to artists is not all of us are sitting in our mansions chilling and going woe is me some of us there's a lot of people behind the cameras a lot of people on various levels of um, theater and everything that are sitting at home but they entertained you they gave you something to look forward to you ain't you know you're not taking selfies um but you know in nothing you know what I mean just a background of nothing you taking selfies you know basing your validity and worth next to the culture of art that you know the world values and you value and it make you feel a value to know of this value and now you're saying it ain't shit what's wrong with you yeah it's so easy to right now where we are where you know we things are closing some places are starting to open up more but now I am an artist so I feel like I see it all the time but it's amazing to me that people really disregard the small ways that art impact their lives like for example um, if you have children right now a year ago me and my husband our weekends were taking her to the museums you know, mm-hmm. going to places that exposed her to art. Because number one, we want to get the hell out of the house because she has a lot of energy. And we were like, well, what can we do? But also because it was great for us. And you, and you know, being in Los Angeles, there's tons of places that we can go. Now, you know, a lot of those places are indoors and you can't go. So to see that people don't make those particular connections of like, oh, the Museum of Natural History is closed. Like mm-hmm. that is that is art that is representative of our culture, of our evolution. You know, the, the Getty, oh, you know, you can only go to certain parts or it's this part is closed down. That's tons of art collections. Like that is something that we don't have access to. That was something yes. that was enjoyment. If you couldn't turn on Netflix or Amazon right now or HBO Max, what the hell would you be doing? They'll be losing their shit because they lost their shit when they can't go to the movie theater. Yeah. Um, but but you know what? You know, like in the beginning of quarantine, people didn't want to stay in quarantine. So they kept making multiple trips to Walmart. You're not immune to art there because the label of your food, the colors, the typography, all that is art based. All that is art based. All that was created. Yes. It Really think <laughs> of all that. Oh my God, you just made me think. If you are going to Target right now to just go look at pillows and rugs <laughs> and decorative stuff, guess what? You're going to a, you're going to look at an art collection, whether yes. you believe it or not. That's why you're going. If that is your right now, your your way to amuse yourself, to entertain yourself, to feel like you are still alive and you are going to target to do that, to just walk up and down the aisles and look at the Opal House brand and um, the people from HGTV. Guess what? That's art. That's art right there. My very lipstick, my bath bomb, my perfume. That's creative. That's creative arts. We're, we're the very foundation of where you stand. Yeah. And you're not saying we're shit. All right. Yeah. All right. Try to do without us in any way. Try. Yeah, it's impossible. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you define your style of art? First of all, your particular visual medium, is there anything that you tend to favor or... Do you feel like over the years that it has evolved for you? You know what? Um, I don't think um, my 
themes of centering Blackness have changed? You know, our social issues have changed are the, you know, you know, just showing the beauty of things have changed, but the way I approach art has changed as far as um, I'm not necessarily thinking so much or planning ahead for these pieces It's more intuitive. And um, again, um, art, I went back to art when I was uh, finding myself um, divorcing, coming out, single parentage, and um, dealing with low, lower income. I had to figure out what to do with myself. And so I said, well, I'm going back to art. I'm going back to art to um, just help me along. And, and I made a judgment call early that this is a judgment-free zone, even for myself. This is where I am free, absolutely no rules on um, how it comes out. I just flow with my emotions or, you know, what I think, you know, you know, like something pops in my head, I put it there or whatever. No, no criticism, you know, of course there, you can arrange it later, but, you know, both mostly is going with the flow. Um, where art now is even more so, it's more therapeutic for me, especially during these times, um, to um, just, you know, blow off steam, kind of, because I can't always express my anger or, um, uh, you know, my sadness or anything where maybe I can't even uh, verbalize well. So I put it in art. And uh, right now I've done a lot of digital work. Um, in fact, I've done over 50 pieces of digital work in a month. Oh, wow. Um, just, just going and going and going, um, just releasing uh, frustrations about um, the gamut, you know, to think of the conversations we're having, um, history, um, the layered history of our people, just the layered history of life and to collage it, um, which for me is like digital quilting uh, and my thoughts and just put it there, just put in, in places where it's pleasing to me or just really getting out what I say what I may be feeling at that time and examine it later. Um, that's where the art has really um, changed for me, where um, I don't worry about what's trending, what's um, valuable, what's on now, what it looks like to other people. I don't give a fuck. I do my art and I go about my business. That's what I do. I love that. <laughs> I love that last part. I do my art and I don't give a fuck about what other people think about it or do about it. I just, you know, I think that is for me something I'm learning because I've been in a place right now where I have been creating more than I've been creating, like do, trying to do a solo show and even with this podcast. And I feel like being here in Los Angeles and acting and being a part of where it is art, but it's also a business. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to get caught up in what the person to the left of, of you is doing and what the person to the right of you is doing. And then you're not paying attention to what you should be doing. And um, I definitely feel like in this moment in time for me is the most where I have looked less outside and have yes. tried to stay on in my as they say in my lane and do what I do and not be worried about what other people are thinking about it or what other people are doing um and con and comparing it to that um okay two things I want to I want to go back to and what you said so the very beginning you said that after you had gotten divorced and you had a child and you had gotten back into your artwork how do you feel your art changed when you were married with a child and figuring out your sexuality to 
after? Like, was there a shift? There was a shift um, in actually creating because I didn't really have room to create as much while married. I was inundated with all this stuff, this weight and put on my shoulders of all the things that had to be done. And the emotional toll of being in that marriage was, uh, we still cordial, but uh, we're very much separated. Um, the, I also had to look at the beginning of, um, no, I just never had the, the freedom and emotional time to do it. And I was still trying to do everything right and to be very, you know, seek validation and to be correct. You know what I mean? And so when I decided to drop all that and I was going through the changes while married and I decided to, you know, pull the trigger and let go, you know, what we both did not um, at the probably have didn't have the courage to do at the time or for the longest um that took a lot of weight off my shoulders um there was a lot of emotional drudgery to go through that you know of that changes but um it there's a lot of weight off my shoulders being out is a lot of weight off my shoulders being fully myself is a lot of weight off my shoulders so that does give me that emotional mental room to create and feel free where I felt very confined before so there's a big difference do you feel that in the beginning you said I didn't have time in that marriage but when you think about it do you think that also you might have purposely not given yourself that time because that's a form of self-reflection you have to do. And that's hard in that sense mm -hmm. of navigating out of that. And then at some point you were, you decided to like, as you said, let the floodgate, you decided to let it go. Well, all that time, um, I was always fixing things fixing, fixing. If it wasn't fixing dinner, it was uh, fixing the issue with the bills. It was fixing the issue. There was no partnership. It is very lonely to be with someone and you feel absolutely alone and it's all on you. Mm -hmm. um, I was um, constantly looking for uh, therapy resources for my daughter, um, almost by myself. I was always having to work, work, work. I was a workhorse. Not only did I uh, work full time at some times, I uh, also made things to make money um, to pay bills. It wasn't like I'm creating to create gotcha. or to well, enjoy. It was, um, it was not art for art's sake. It was totally to, uh, I'm going to offer this to go to the flea market to bring in grocery money, you know? So I cannot even explain how now, um, even though I, you know, I'm a single woman, I don't make a lot of money, but I don't worry about um, um, final notices and all that stuff. My daughter is getting the therapy she needs. Um, you know, all that frees it up because I'm not waiting. You have to really know what um, being in a codependent and you're the savior situation is. And it's a lot. I'm, I'm confused about it myself. Do you, do, in yeah. that, the savior, did you feel like you were the savior? I was constantly fixing things. Gotcha. I was constantly doing the work. And I'm still doing the work, but there is this freedom of, um, you know, being actually alone, not feeling alone, not feeling this dark cloud over my head. You know, it was this, I, I gave an example of you, you think that you're both rowing the boat, you know, you're going like, okay, we're going to go here and I'm rowing the boat. We're rowing the boat and you turn around, they're not rowing at all. And when they see you 
see them not rowing. All of a sudden they're rowing. And so we're like, we're getting going, we're getting going, we're getting going. And then, and, and you're like, and then you find yourself just trudging and you turn around, they stop rowing again. And then they pretend to row again right. and you keep going. And that was, that was um, my life for a long time. And that's a lot of energy because a lot, um, you know, in that example, it means that you, you were holding the accountability, like nothing was happening until you actually held it accountable. And that is a lot of mental labor in itself. It's the, it is, it was very depressing. It caused a lot of depression um, yes, I have flaws within myself to deal with, but I'm, I'm happy to be alone with them. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm happy to navigate this life without, you know, feeling judgment or anyone um, um, committing sabotage of whatever um, I'm doing. I give you an example and I, I don't want to bad mouth so much, but I've had this Um where I came back from an event elated and they admitted, uh, then they brought on some weight, wanted to start an argument or whatever. They admitted that it made them angry that I was so happy. Hmm. So this is what I was dealing with. So um, I have the freedom of movement this time, the freedom of thought, the freedom of feelings without worry about someone coming in to uh, wreck the shit or criticize me or down me in such a severe manner. So that made a difference in my art. And um, also, you know, having the taste of freedom um, and fighting for it to this point, you know, where I should have um, loved myself to be free enough and be with it when I was in my 20s. So now I'm 44. I, I am not here for your bullshit. I am not. I am here to do my shit. You don't like my house. You don't like my housekeeping. Go home. You don't like my art. Please turn around. I am not here to lower myself or to, you know, hide away again or go back, stuff myself in a cocoon to make people comfortable anymore. I'm done with that. I have so many scars from that. And I'm not, I'm not willing to live the next half of my life making you feel good. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to make you feel like shit. I'm just not responsible for your feelings at this point. Absolutely. You know, and we all as adults have to be, at the end of the day, responsible for our emotional well-being and protect right. that at all costs. Going into Sand Branch, I... How did you find out about Sand Branch, first of all? A relative that um, volunteered there brought it up. She volunteered out there and she, uh, we was having like an uh, emotional conversation. My family, we do political, very emotional, right on conversations. This is, this is our love language. And she brought it up and I was like, what? And for the listener, Sand Branch is a area outside of Dallas. It is a primarily African-American Black community, and they do not have a, essentially a water system. They don't have any water. So they're kind of like the uh, Texas version of Flint, Michigan. And so you found out about Sand Branch through your, one of your relatives. Yes, um, Sand Branch is a historically um, Black township of many townships that were founded in Texas. It's one of the few remaining. They've been a thriving community for many, many, many years. And then um, 30 uh, years ago, um, a water treatment plant was put in. Sand Branch ran by a well system for many, many years. When they put this treatment plant, it it slowly seeped and poisoned the wells. And so they've been fighting for plumbing, for clean running water. Now around them in that area, everybody got the water except them. 
And also they be they're like, you know, it's a flood zone, so they can't build there. But you know, I'm like, I know areas in Dallas where that are flood zones, they constantly are building. So that doesn't make sense. There's a lot of um, it needs to be some changes there. There needs to be legislation to help those people to get running water. It's just dignify it when you go to the church you see the plant not that far away like maybe 50 feet away if that and um it does not make sense that these taxpayers taxpayers are going without the necessities what are the Um, excuses that the county is giving for for the reason why they can't do it flood zone who knows what else um, they, they, they was like, well, it's a lot of money and all that stuff. And honestly, um, Sand Branch is um, low income, but these are very salt of the earth people. These are not, you know, lowly people. These are vets. These people work, they work their own land, all this stuff. And, you know, all these things that are good old fashioned American values they are and um you're saying to them that they do not deserve water and that you 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 find their town uh been depreciating and going you know losing citizens and everything due to this but there are still people there and for me for them to be in my backyard i want them to have the same as i do you know, the way I uh, went to my sink and took it for granted. I want that for them too. Um, they, some are bathing and and um, cooking and cleaning and doing all the things with the water that's being donated. We've been dropping off water. We had our first drop. Other, uh, other people heard the call and dropped water. Um, we, I think water is a big issue. It's an invisible issue um, in America. We don't, you know, people are used to seeing images of, you know, they love it too, of the African child getting the water pump, the, getting water in the hand in Africa and everything, which is important. Everybody should get have access to clean water, but it's easy to look over yonder than to look in our backyards. In our backyards, we have the same issues that, um, you know, we can look at Flint, but we have the same issues of environmental racism, neglect, not valuing people's land, the oddness of eminent domain, uh, fracking, water rights, fighting um, corporations for water rights, all these things. We are looking at this straight here in America, one is a big one of um, Standing Rock when they said that pipeline will poison the water. Um, they fought against that. But then they did the pipe, if I understand right, and it did leak and it poisoned the water. So we're looking at these issues right here in the United States that we need to pay attention to. And as the economic times go further, this is going to be very prevalent in our lives until, you know, there's an upturn again, God willing, there's an upturn. But I hope that this time exposes um, the fact that we're not all right. We're not all all right. And maybe we should put um, our care and time to making sure all of us are all right. I want us all at the table. Um, This is not uh, a race issue as far as saying, oh, oh, let the Blacks handle it, let the Mexicans handle it, let the whites handle it. This is an ongoing issue all across about land rights, water rights, access to clean water, environmental um, issues, the pollution, all that. We got to really start paying attention for us to um, baseline function and the happiness. This is our health that's at risk here. So um, me saying, uh, you know, I want to do for my neighbor, me saying, hey, let's look out for our neighbors and the way that people came in force to help our neighbors, that gives me a lot of hope with all things that are um, 
you know, going on that, hey, we all want to do right, you know, and I'm probably Pollyanna in this, but we're going to make it happen. I will believe in the decency of our voted in political people that representatives or political representatives to see this and say, hey, this is this should be corrected. This is not right. We are not like the ones that came before us that ignored it. We want to do something about this. We want this to be done this year. Um, we value all of our citizens. We value human life. And we want to get this popping. And let's start with Sand Branch. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And to, you know, also to say, you know what, I see that you have influence. And if you are not using your influence for this good, then what are you doing? Right. You know, that, you know, holding politicians at the local and city state level, holding them accountable for these things and not letting them get away with the status quo. And not even to say, you know, um, yes, there's the status quo and then there's all that bureaucracy and everything. But I want to say and um, I want to partner with you to correct this. I want to say you, politician, my political representative, you also are a citizen. I want you to work with us citizens to correct this issue because eventually you may not be in that office. Yeah. But while you're in that office, let's see what you can do. You know how to do this here. I may know how to do this here. Together we can, you know, solve this puzzle and do it together. I'm asking you, politician, as a also fellow citizen to make right, to make sure all of us are taken care of on that basic le level that these taxpayers invest in. We invest in, we vote, we want. I, it does not make sense. All of us are sitting here appalled and shocked that this is occurring. Why not make right for it? We can do it together. I'm not going to make politicians. Um, I'm not going to walk in and just uh, make them an enemy. You are going to work with me, politicians, and to correct this thing. I'm asking you and telling you that we are capable of making this right and let's make it right that's all i'm saying no absolutely and with the organization that you created mermaids bring water which i love that name thank you <laughs> so far um because this started i want to say around april may am i right in the timeline like a mid mid-june honestly okay. like june maybe um late july something around that it was in the summer Mm -hmm. And so now we're in the beginning of October. What have you guys been doing in the last couple of months to support Sand Branch, not only with obviously bringing water, but also with trying to work with local people to move the needle a little bit? Well, we had our first drop uh, recently and we did get to speak with um, the organizers there about things and what they need. So basically we are uh, working on that, but also they wanted uh, more um, pressure, if you will, to be put on the politicians, the representatives to um, really address this once and for all. I would urge many people to, hey, pay attention to this. This is how I would use my influence to say, hey, together we can make this right this is not to I, I you know I'm probably too soft to harass or whatever but I'm like hey let's ask some questions ask this question why can't we have this what is going on have more people involved and you know in uh sitting down with in the meetings to pay attention to what's going on because I think like me I've taken a lot of things for granted I didn't I don't feel like I paid attention enough. And so I'm gonna sit and pay attention enough. And because I do wanna partner with business people, I want to get the partnership of business people, of politicians, of 
community activists to all get this done. Uh, we can do this. It's been so, everybody been so polarized, especially in this political environment and this, this social environment. I want them to come together. You know, it's like, I'm not going to call you dog shit. I'm going to say Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, uh, Representative So-and-so. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to respect you as you respect me. And we're going to say, hey, how can we partner up to get this done? Um, no name calling, no anything. I am saying to politicians as fellow citizens, to think of how they want their neighborhood to be run, how they would think of how their parents to be treated in this time, because there's a lot of elderly there. What do you val really value in the fabric of our country, our community, our county? You know, when we come to the table, are we all sitting equal as basic as having running resources to keep clean, to keep healthy, to yeah. eat, you know, that type of thing. Let's level the playing field of that. You know what I mean? Right. That's all I'm asking you to do. It's, it's not a difficult concept at all. And as people who might be listening that live in Texas or don't live in Texas, how can they support what you guys are doing at Mermaid Spring Water with this. Like, well, how do you see this expanding? How do you see, you know, people who would like to get involved and support not only you, but also the other organizers in Sand Branch? What could they be doing? Well, I, I would say um, uh, write letters. This is so um, basic, but still, these are effectively write letters, uh, write emails, call representatives asking about uh, water and sand branch. Ask them to do that. You know, ask them to please partner up to bring clean water, running water to sand branch. I would say they can uh, keep up with us, uh, mermaids, on Instagram at mermaids bring water. Uh, we are not a flashy initiative but you know we try to do a lot of things and get things done we do partner with others we partner with people because it is a community effort you could um, get in touch with the, the tri-city NAACP you can get in touch with um, organizers of Sam Branch you can do that um, you can work within your <clears throat> your churches your um, community things is, you know, in partnership with the organizers of Sand Branch to bring whatever resources or whatever um, support they may be asking for. And that's, that's important for me to say. Uh, we don't want to have people say, well, I'm just going to do this because I'm, you know, without looking around you. Right. Support you know, the people who have been there first support right. what they have been doing listen to them listen to what they want yeah because there's a lot of there's um you may you may you may think that is just one thing but it, it may be another um ask them uh what what they need and when do they need it and plan for that i'm not trying to omit our our organization um out of the fray but i'm saying that um we all in this together, we all can do this because what if, I do not want to remove these possibilities. What if a construction crew company want to say, hey, we want to donate this, you know, all this stuff. I want you there. I want people there. Um, I want them to, um, you know, it was all sorts of people there when we were there, no division. And we were all about the same thing. And we can continue this process, this uh, trajectory or whatever to um, really heal our communities, um, one city, one town, one county, one state, one in, in the country. We can heal this. We can yeah. do it every, mend all those broken pieces of, you know, broken 
torn fabrics and everything, we can mend all of that and we can heal this country and to be a better country going forward. I mean, the, and the people, it's so big. A lot of people look at it, it's so big and it is overwhelming, but you can look in your backyard. If you're not, if you're not thinking about Sand Branch, which I would like your focus to be there, look in your backyard, you know, you know ask your neighbor if they're all right. You know, people don't talk to their neighbors as much as them. So they don't know what is really going on. But so it's like, we can really, really do this. And I would like to see this repeated everywhere. Um, taking care of your communities. Um, we can all be in partnership to do that. The elected officials are elected by the people. I want to make that clear. They're elected by the pe people. They are not royalty. They are there to represent the needs of the people and um, delegate that. Yeah, and so your job at the end of the day is to look around and figure out what your needs are if they're not, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And, and I think that's a lot of work that we don't do. We, we, you know, as citizens, sometimes I think we expect other people to do that work for us. And we don't realize that if we're gonna elect officials and tell them what we need, then we really have to know what we need. Yeah. And you know what? And we must be involved. We must be involved politically. You know, we don't, we're not going to just vote you in and just like do this and go um, play around and do whatever we want to, just assuming that these things are taken care of. We must um, be there because there are so many, it's not just that representative. There are so many uh, bureaucratic uh, laws and rules that may be antiquated that needs to be changed there may be um things um the way we do things some things may need to be changed like old habits like for instance i'm just using this as example and it's not super off topic when the quarantine happened a lot of people ended up working from home right um maybe the whole idea of going downtown to work it's an old idea. It's a hangover from before we had this technology to work remotely. So is it feasible to continue to um, pay for buildings and rent and electricity and utilities and whatnot to be in a building for work? You can have your, your uh, employees do from home and still have that without that. Uh, Not the overhead. Uh, overhead you know that type of thing how are we doing that how remote school is done there was a complaint with uh, disabled students especially in college that they wanted to work from home um, do remote work and it was um, they were not allowed to but all of a sudden when the quarantine that became super uh, feasible and available Maybe we should really look at these things. Yeah. Um, maybe the old institutions um, of how we did things can be restructured and maybe uh, put to the wayside of some things. And because there are, all, you know, everybody want to hold on to tradition. And I love tradition too, but let's look at our traditions to see how can we do better, you know, because we're not behind a wagon wheel anymore. We still own roads. We had to create those roads for those cars and everything, those trailways and all that stuff. We can keep building. We are, we are traditionally in this country an innovative country. Uh, we can uh, do more innovation. I don't know why we have lost our way. It's like we outsourced our sense of capability in some ways. So I would I would like us to get back into that, you know, to really think about how we can make changes, you know, how it can be good for our environment, how it can be good for our health as citizens and well-being. Just move forward in that. Yeah. And we first started with Sand Branch. So <laughs> start with Sand Branch first. Um and we can move forward from that um, to um, make it better for everyone. Um, there, that I mean, is is all about us collectively putting a spotlight on not just being aware, quote unquote, but also saying what are we going to do about it, and actually do something about it. 
Right. And that's what I'm about right now. I just want to get shit done. Just get it done. Don't talk about it. Be about it. <laughs> be about it. Yeah, just be about it. <laughs> Um, I know, you know, you, you also launched recently an Etsy shop with under, well, under Mermaids Bring Water to right. um, help collect funds for um, that as well. And to end, I want to ask you, how do you feel your activism serves your art and vice versa? Well, I am using my art to, um, to bring funds to continue our initiative and what we need and what to do for it because not everybody wants to do a GoFundMe and nor do I want to quote unquote beg for money all the time. I just want us to be functioning um, as a well-oiled machine in the future and it's not um, you know like for me when I I'm offering prints of artwork you get something out of it you know you get a limited signed artwork of artwork and then um, you are also funding the cause um, of multiple gallons of water um, to that and this is and you're getting something out of it and then cycle out what I want to do is um, also get other artists involved and um, for them I think it would be 50 50 you know what I mean um, where you know because artists are struggling I want artists to uh, maybe create a work and um, we'll get some percentage of the proceeds to go toward water or something like that. I want you to support, highlight supporting them and you're supporting a good cause. Um, How is my art, how is my activism influencing my art? Um, That is one way, but honestly, my my art is a judgment-free zone. I do not make art with a, a message in mind or a, a goal in mind. Like I'm going to make art about water rights. I don't work that way. So um, again, my art is still my zone where I'm completely free uh, without judgment, um, even for myself. If people like it, wonderful. <laughs> if people buy it wonderful and great but um it's still my zone of freedom and um I and it allows me to bring that freedom out to the public and to um do greater good if as much as possible you know so no amazing awesome I love it. <laughs> you can do it too. Little yes. corner. I'm little corner of, you know, life. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of anything, but I'm saying, you know, hey, you know, I'm just, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, they song, this little light of mine. I actually believed it, <laughs> you know, so I, I feel free enough to do it and I'm going to do it now because I am not going to lessen my light and anyway our vibration um for the next half of my life not at all not at all Mm-mm. danielle <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we could stop there i'm i want to stop <laughs> on those words for you um i'm gonna provide the links to everything that uh we discussed so if you guys want to help in any way with mermaid brings water if you want to see more of danielle ellis's art uh it's all going to be in the show links and thank you thank you for this thank you so much (laughs) i enjoyed every time (laughs) look at danielle (laughs) Uh, Danielle is dropping the gems on this episode I really really enjoy talking to her about just you know art and the everyday art around us and how it serves our activism and really also discussing the validity of higher education and what it means to the individual 
gosh, we I, listening to that again, we really ran the gamut on that conversation. Also, we are right post-election right now, and we are all, I think, really discovering, rediscovering rather, the power of our voice and our vote. And what Danielle was saying about politicians are citizens first. That is something I feel like we all tend to forget. They are citizens first and they serve us. And we also have to make our voice known, um, especially, especially on the local level and really, really pay attention to that. Obviously, the presidential election was a very big deal. Um, the larger ones are, but also there's a lot to be done at the local level. So um, thank you, Danielle, for that reminder. And thank you for this conversation. You guys, I'm going to include all of Danielle's uh, links in the show notes. Um, so feel free to reach out to her. Uh, show her some love. Follow her on Instagram. Follow uh, Mermaids Bring Water if you'd like to donate. Um, I believe she still has the GoFundMe up. But also you can reach out to her directly if you are in Dallas or maybe not in Dallas, but you want to donate water. If maybe you have some political connections that will help uh, service that city, reach out. So many ways, as she mentioned, that you can help. Or maybe she just inspired you to just look in your own backyard and help out your own community. So yeah, there are more than one ways to be of service. So uh, look inside yourself and figure that out. Figure out how you want to be a service. Figure out how you want to be of service. Also, if you want to be in service of me, then feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already to that one blank friend. Maybe give us a review. Reviews are very helpful because they help people find us and also just make us look good. You know, all those five star reviews, people want to know what's up. So yes, go ahead and do that. Feel free to follow me. I'm on Instagram at Sadia Rashid. I'm also on Twitter. And you can also find the That One Blank Friend podcast on Instagram as well as Twitter. And yeah, I guess uh, I feel compelled to sing. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine Let it shine I don't know, that felt apropos considering what Danielle said about that song So, you guys, stay safe Find your light, let it shine. See you next time.